Start in three. Positive rotation. Ignition. You guys have a nice flight. We'll see you back here. Welcome to Roll Call, a 126 to Air Refueling Wing podcast of the Illinois Air National Guard at Scott Air Force Base. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Brian Ellison. The Roll Call podcast focused on people, mission, and community. I know we have some uh, folks out there deployed. Thanks uh, for listening. Coming up, my conversation with Staff Sergeant uh, Kyle Kesey from the 108th Air Refueling Squadron. Congratulations to the Illinois Air National Guard slow-pitch softball team. They took third place at the 57th Air National Guard softball tournament in uh, Toledo this past weekend. The team was made up of 126th Air Refueling Wing and 906th members, as well as the 182nd and uh, Illinois State Air Guard members. Next year's tournament is in Delaware. Imagine being able to be magically whisked away to Delaware. Hi, I'm in Delaware. We have two personal financial counselors available to talk to for free. You can call them, text them, email them anytime to ask them questions. Anytime. I doubt they're going to be excited if you text them at 3 a.m. Uh, they'll help you with budgeting, options for financial assistance, TSP, even help uh, compare that uh, career move. Is it good for you? Is it bad for you? They can help you out with that, these uh, free personal financial counselors. I keep telling myself, I'm going to call these guys or email these guys one of these days, but uh, I am scared to have them look at my at my finances, honestly. You can t- talk to uh, Drew Weckbach, Drew Weckbach at 314-307-3300. Uh, you can uh, email him at pfc.mo.onsc at ziders, dot com. Uh, he can meet off base. He can uh, meet during the week and uh, dr- through uh, during drill by request. I'll put these uh, names up on uh, in the comments in the show description. You can also contact Jonathan Bracewell, 618-304-7311. His email, pfcscott, I'm sorry, it's pfc.scott.usaf at ziders.com. It's been a while since I've done a podcast. I know. pfc.scott.usaf at ziders.com. Again, I'll put all these links up in the description. Uh, he's located on base Monday through Friday. He's available for uh, he's available during drill by request. That's uh, Jonathan Bracewell. Again, those uh, names and numbers are going up in the show comments. Coming up next, Staff Sergeant Kyle Kesey tells us about his transition from vehicle maintenance to becoming a boomer. I'm uh, Tech Sergeant Scoggins in the 126th Air National Guard Air Refueling Wing, and I'm an aerospace maintenance technician, a crew chief. So our job entails mostly uh, on a good day inspections. We get the jet ready to leave, and then we catch it when it comes back. So we're, we interact with the pilots there, and then if they have any issues they tell us, we have to do an inspection pre and post flight to find any discrepancies. And if it's something we can fix on the spot, we do. I'm Lieutenant Pippins, AMXS, Aircraft Maintenance. 
and I am the aircraft maintenance officer. I am a supervisor of all the crew chiefs, so all the men and women that work hard every day out on the line to make sure that the nine aircraft that we have here at Scott are ready to fly for the pilots. And I just make sure that they have everything that they need so that they can meet that mission every day. One of the biggest benefits from working with the 126 would definitely be traveling. I've got to go to a lot of cool places for free to me. We get to go to Europe a lot. We're state partners with Poland, so we get Poland at least once or twice a year. It's nice. If you are in the unit, I recommend picking up that trip. Uh, thanks to joining the Guard, I've been able to get my bachelor's in kinesiology from the University of Illinois, and then I got my doctor of physical therapy from Southwest Baptist University. I'm a doctor of physical therapy on the civilian side. I work as an outpatient physical therapist. They're both completely different jobs, but completely rewarding. I work one-on-one -on -one mostly in my civilian career field, and then here I'm in charge of 50 people. So it's a much larger scale, uh, but they're both, both provided me so much experience. Staff Sergeant Kyle Kesey, a boomer with the 108th Air Refueling Squadron, is our guest. He's with the 126th Operations Group. Kyle, got to thank you uh, for coming in. Uh, you're new to the boomer life. I am, yeah. I did uh, six or seven years vehicle maintenance. Yeah. yeah. I, first, I first showed up as vehicle maintenance, so I didn't even really know about being a boom. What... Um, what do you like about that so far, being a, a, a new boomer? The flying. It's pretty amazing. Like, the fact that we can actually put gas into anything that flies in the sky that's Air Force related is pretty impressive. It's is, just the aviation in general is just awesome. Like, seeing F-16s, F-15s, C-17s come up and get their gas, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty incredible, really. Yeah, what... Um What's been your favorite mission? Is there any any favorite mission that uh, stuck out yet in your uh, in your new career as a boomer? Uh, yeah, I, I would say. I mean, of course, I'm going to be a little bit biased. Like the guard lifts are are a lot of fun. That's that's when we get to go TDY and explore new places. So whenever LRS or ops or somebody needs to go somewhere, we can hop on one of our jets and we can take them pretty much anywhere in the world. Where have, uh, so, yeah, you just came back from a TDY, right? Yeah, the several, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, do they ask you to volunteer, and you're like, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they pretty much ask, like, if they need a boom, you know, hey, here's a, there's a sign-up sheet for, it's called, we call them bid sheets, and, okay. hey, you know, there's, there's these TDYs and these trips on these days, what works for you, can you go to these, and, yeah, I'm always, I'm all about it. I'm like, nice. Yeah, I'm trying to sign up for as much as I can, and awesome. do fly as much as I can, too. But, yeah, we just got back from Aviano, Italy, and then I, yesterday I just got back from Pease. From another, where? From uh, Pease. It's Pease? in New Hampshire. Yeah, you, they got the KC-46 there. Oh, uh, yeah? Pease, yeah, Pease Air Base. I, I believe you. you yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. what, uh, did you do any training on the 46? Did you? Uh... No, it was just a drop-off. So we actually flew into Canada, and we dropped off. The Missouri National Guard out of Jefferson Barracks. Oh, yeah. They needed a ride, so we said that we could do it, and we went and dropped them off in Canada, and then we flew to Pease because I think it was going to be expensive to park the jet in Canada. Hmm. So, yeah, we are just like, oh, we'll just skip on over to Pease. Nice. Yeah, so that was nice. Um, the weather up there is really nice. And then um, 
we just took LRS to Aviano a couple weeks ago too, and that was really special. Like Italy's beautiful. Yeah. So okay, um, I'm going to swap that mic out in a second. Yeah. So when you're uh, when you, you when you go to drop off LRS, what do you do in the rest of the time? I have an idea, but you're training, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> well, I mean, they have to make it at least somewhat, like, if we didn't get any time on the ground, no one would really sign up for the job because all we would do is drop them off and then fly back the next day. Yeah, that could be a rough job, right? Yeah, and so, like, I don't know. That wouldn't be that fun. So they give us, a, like, a day or two on the ground. Oh, cool. And it's just, that's it. You know, a day or two on the ground, the next day we're taking off. So. Oh, you don't stay and wait for them? I always just no. kind of pictured you guys kind of staying and waiting for that, us. It would be nice. It would. It, that, <laughs> <laughs> I wish. And then we could just hang out and do our thing, but... No, it's it's. I think AMC only allows four days uh, total when we're going outside of uh, the U.S. Oh, I see. So we can only stay for like two days. Oh. And then by then it's wheels up, taking off, back home. So. Man, then you got to do that trip again to go pick them up. Exactly, and I actually did. I did the drop off and the pickup. Are you guys refu- are you guys refueling at all? We can. It, we can. Sometimes they'll have, uh, like, a leg over. Somebody needs gas to get over to uh, the pond. Right. But it's not It's not uh, a common thing oh. for us to do AR. But we can. We have done it before. Huh. So, yeah. So it's not a th- – I mean, I don't want to call it a waste of time. I mean, it's, you're still doing – I mean, you're, that's part of your mission. Right? Yeah, it is part of our mission. And it's, it's important, too, because – we can go out and it's for LRS, for example, when I was in vehicle maintenance, I, I got to go on, they're called deployments for trainings and right. I got DFTs. to go to, yeah, DFTs. I got to go uh, to Aviano and it's important to get out, you know, in the guard and explore, explore active duty and different things because vehicle maintenance here doesn't have 60 K's. They don't have stuff for us to work on right. that we would see at other, at other bases, even while deployed. So it's important to get that experience. So, so you, you were vehicle maintenance. Uh, that's a, a good segue. Uh, you yeah. were in vehicle maintenance and you would go on these, uh, DFTs. What, uh, what would you do, uh, when you got to like a place like Aviano to, uh, do your DFT as a vehicle maintainer? So I would just do my job as a vehicle maintainer, but I would look for, things specifically that we didn't have at vehicle maintenance so i needed like at forklifts to get signed off on one of those one time oh, okay and we don't have an at forklift here and okay. in order for me to do my job i have to be able to know how to work on at forklifts well it's it's kind of hard for me to get signed off and learn the job if we don't have at forklifts so that was something that i did i went and found an at forklift and they gave me the runaround on it oh that's cool yeah so are they um when you're at these DFTs, are you following in kind of with the, the regular, the, the big Air Force guys? Yeah, and precisely. We're right. following in with active duty. We, we roll in on their schedule, and we just, like, ask, hey, do you have any work for us? Is there anything, you know, we have some things that we need to get knocked out. Can we knock these things out while we're here? And they're usually really cool about it. They're like, hey, yeah, you know, we'll bring this in. We'll, we'll get this done for you. So. Oh, that's cool. It is. It is. There is. You know, it's the mentality of work hard, play hard, right? Right. So you show up. You get. You get what you need to get done, and then, hey, you got some time, go explore Italy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, 
I'd never been up to that part of uh, Italy. When I was in stationed in Germany, I would go to Florence and Pisa a lot. That's, yeah. That's a lot of fun, but that's on the other side of the country. Right, yeah. Aviano is like right at the foothills of the Alps. Like yeah. When you're landing, <laughs> the mountains are right there. Oh, really? Yeah, and you can see, like, it's kind of like a valley because it flattens out, and then you, you can see the mountains, and then if you look right, you can almost see the ocean, too. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty intense. So you were in vehicle maintenance, and you uh, switched over to become uh, a boomer, an air refueling specialist, I believe is that the, is, yeah, is the, the, the correct, correct terminology. Yeah. yeah. What um what made you um, want to do that? And I, well, well, what made you want to do that? So I really never knew about air refueling. <laughs> like I knew it was a thing, right? But I didn't know that enlisted could do it. I always thought it was like some officer doing it back there. And I actually ran into a friend who was a boomer a few years ago. His name was Kevin O'Reilly. And I, I, we were in SIUE together, and I noticed he had one of the, the flight name tags. And I was like, oh, are you, are you a pilot? Like, yeah. I, you're in the unit. I see, I see you got the, our patch. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a boom operator. And then he worked for my dad under maintenance, and, like, we just kind of became friends. And um, he was the one that got me into it. Like, he was showing me all the pictures of what he was doing, and I was like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... And I was the, like, and Enlisted can do this? He's like, oh, yeah, you know? And I was like, man, all right. I got I to gotta, I gotta jump ship. Like, that's that's pretty cool. Like, I, I like maintenance, and I like tinkering and stuff like that, but after a while, it's just like, you, you know, you just need to switch something up. Every sure. Now and then. You have to go interview. Like, they want to see... They want to see you. They want to understand what you're all about. Like, they don't, they want to make sure you get along with a crew because that, that's the big thing in the, in the plane. It's, it's a crew aircraft. So they want to make sure that you're, you're a likable person and that you can get along with people and stuff like that. So, so yeah, that's part of the, that's part of the process of, uh, of, uh, when did you, uh, put in your application or, 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 you know, put that packet together? So I was actually doing this, the math in my head. I think I interviewed right before COVID. Like oh, right, really? Yeah, like right before COVID. So I interviewed before COVID, and then I didn't find out I got the job until, like, the start of COVID. Oh, okay. And then I got kind of nervous because I was like, oh, no, like, I wonder how this is going to affect my dates. Like, right. this is going to be not so good. And then you have to go through a, 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 flight, a, a flight physical, too, which is, like, way more in-depth than just a normal PHA physical that you get during your – your years in and like you have to get a depth perception and that that's like the big one that everyone fails on or quote unquote right because the depth perception that they use is it's an older test so it doesn't do a good job of of uh seeing if you do or don't have depth perception in my opinion what's that test i think i remember taking it but i don't remember exactly yeah. what it is at one point in my right career. so everyone takes it when they go to meps yeah um i think meps is probably a better way to describe your your physical that you get but it's so there's like five dots or, or five spheres and they one of them sticks out farther than the other yeah yeah okay and the way you have to do it is like you kind of have to like contort your eyes a little bit <laughs> really? and, and they don't tell you this at maps so everyone usually fails it at maps because they're like none of them stick out you know they, right. they i remember that i took it and they were like which one sticks out and i was like None of them. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a joke. And they're yeah. like, no, they do. You just kind of have to look at it. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. One, two, three, four, five, right? So I think I, I don't know if I failed it or passed it, but you have to go take it again. I and mean, like, once you take it again, you understand the test, then I can kind of see how you would pass it. Like, right. 
like I mean obviously I did but um so you you have to take a you know flight you know you have to take the flight physical and you have to pass the depth perception and uh, they have to check your hearing and all that all that good stuff so it's it's a little more in depth but once you pass that then you're good that's like your gold ticket what do you um well, is that after you uh, go? Don't you have to go interview? I guess. Yeah. So you interview first, and oh, okay. then they, you know, see that they like you, and then the, you have to pass the flight physical. That's that's like a little nerve wracking experience. What, what I, I don't know. What is the? I mean, you said it was a little bit more in depth. I don't know. For some reason, I always picture it like uh, in the right stuff, where those guys are going through uh, all those tests. I'm sure it's not. Uh, you know, they're they're not testing you in a spinny thing to see how yeah. you deal with gravity. But. No, I mean, there's no, like, yeah. <laughs> they're not throwing you in the, in the G machine and, yeah. and tossing you around. No, it's not like that. It's it's more just an in-depth physical. That's all it is. Like, really? it's a more in-depth just yeah, a, medical physical. Like, they, right. they just want to see that your you know your heart's good, your ears are good, your eyes are good. Oh, yeah, that was another one, too. The um, Do you have to have 20-20 vision to be a boomer? You don't. You actually oh, okay. can you can have 20-20 corrected. So okay. If you have glasses, you're fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, as long as you have 20-20 correctable. So it's something like that. Um, but they also, they, they check for, uh, they do like a comp- like the thickness of your eyes. What is that called? The pressure test? Where yeah, they- in your eyes where they blow a puff of... They oh, blow, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's they, always fun. They test for... Uh, it's glacoma. Glaucoma, that's, that's glaucoma it. Test. Yes, the yeah, glaucoma yeah. test. Yeah. Yeah. They test for that, and they do like a sh- puff of air in your eyes. <laughs> And I had issues with it because, like, I couldn't – you have to, like, look at the dot, and then they puff the air, and it's like, you can't blink. Yeah. You're blowing a puff of air in my eyes. I'm going to blink. <laughs> and it was just, like, constant. They're like, you can't blink. You can't blink. And then finally they just dilated my eyes with, like, water drops, and they're like, yeah, you don't have guacamole. And I was like, I kind of thought I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that is so – that it doesn't hurt, but it's so shocking when you when you get it. It's just like, man – yeah, every time it's like, don't blink, and I'm like, I'm going to blink. You're blowing air into my eyes. Yeah, like, it's, <laughs> I'm st- I'm standing there, you know, with my yeah, eyes. Can you like, hold your, yeah, can you hold trying to hold my eyes? No, because it's like in this like you know right. box. Yeah, and it's just it's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you go through that, you go through that uh, interview process, you go through the medical, and then and, and then they just get you a school date. Is that what they're you're waiting on? Yeah. Then? So then school dates, and you know, like any new guard guy that's trying to get in, you know, and get school dates, it's always a hang-up. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, active duty gets it first, and sure. then the reserve, and then it's the guard. So, like, you're just playing the waiting game. So yeah. what, what was school like for you? Uh, it was – so you go back to Lackland, which is – it's kind of cool because it's full circle, right? Right. So that's where I started basic training. And, like, driving there, it was kind of like – that was my dorm right there. Oh, and that's was, cool. Yeah, and I was like, that's where I went to basic. And I was like, so that was that was cool. Uh, so you go back to Lackland, and it's called uh, BBOC, and it's Basic Air Crew Fundamentals, basically. And that's kind of a washout course where it's they just fire hose the information at you. Like, Oh, okay. It's, it's basic stuff, like what's an airplane? You know, what's a wing? This is an <laughs> aileron. This is a rudder. This is gear. You know, stuff like that. But it's a lot of information. So... You have to get 85s on your test, too. Wow. Because they don't want people to, like, they're, they're saying is, like, nobody wants to be on a, a plane where the pilot is good 85% of the time. <laughs> well, this yeah. is true. Yeah, so uh, that's, their, that's their saying, and it, it makes sense. Like, you're, you're held to a little bit of a higher standard. 
and that's the big washout. So people struggle with getting 85s and stuff. So I studied a lot. And then after that, you go to uh, the Boom Fundamentals. That's another two-week course. Really? Just in general. And that's all the booms, KC46s, right. KC10s, and then KC135s. And so you learn all three boom jobs. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it, it takes about, six, what, six months to go through all the training, you think? Or yeah, I think, yeah I think it is actually right around six. So it's about a month in San Antonio. And then for that first course, mm-hmm. okay. For that first course, and then you get sent to Altus Air Force Base, which is in Oklahoma City. It's pretty much in the middle of nowhere. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. It was when I was in the army at Fort, stationed at Fort Sill. We would bus up to uh, Altus to fly in and out and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it's just it's is that Western Oklahoma, I guess. Southwest. Yeah, Southwest. So well, yeah, because it's only like 45 yeah. minutes from, from Texas. From, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's south. It's like it's Texas is directly south. And, like, if you take out that panhandle of Oklahoma, right. and it's just like a perfect rectangle, it would be in the bottom left corner of yeah. Altus. Yeah, I remember flying around there, and you'd see those little hills all around it. Yeah, they Aren't, were, uh, what were they called? They looked uh, so weird. It, it, it's, court, is it the courts? No, it's not the courts. Oh, uh, I... Yeah, I didn't know there was any name for it. No, there, yeah, there's a name for it. It's yeah, and you drive through it, and you're like, "What are these mountains doing here?" Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. Yeah, and they don't even. There's like, if you crawl up them, they're just a bunch of rocks, like, right? Just giant rocks, kind of like oh, stacked really? On, <laughs> stacked on top of one another. I think it's quartz. Don't quote me on. They look pretty cool from the air. It's just yeah, like, really, yeah, yeah. The flying there is interesting too because it's it's hot and it's really really windy oh yeah i know and like during the spring it's i don't know what it is but it's like wind is like 30 knots there it's 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 insane right yeah so that when you get to the altus are you up in the planes then no refueling no so actually you you learn the aircraft first like you have to you learn basically everything from well you learn the cockpit too and then you learn everything from yeah they well we say the the boom operator knows everything basically from the latrine to the aft portion of the jet. So, and even we even know stuff in the cockpit too. Like that's where we sit for takeoff and landings, oh, sure, and yeah. we're, we're backing up the pilots. But um, we go through class and we learn about the aircraft. We learn about how to drop flaps. We learn how to run a checklist and stuff like that. Wow! And then once you once you do all that and you learn the fundamentals of the aircraft, then. We start, it's called sim phase, and okay. that's when you hop in the simulator, and you have about 18 sims, and then about six uh, pre-flights that okay. we do, and then after that, they check you off, and they say, okay, you're good, and then you go to the flight line side, and that's about four weeks, and it's about seven flights with a check ride, so it's pretty intense. That was about, normal stay is... Uh, normal stay. Normal stay. I, I, I is sense a, a story. About four months, but when I went through, CAE had a contracting year, and basically, they didn't contract. They didn't budget right. They cut it super short, and so there wasn't enough instructors. So I got stuck there for eight months. Oh man! Yeah, it was. It was rather boring at times. Because you're in Altus and there's really nothing to do, and they, you know, there's just times where I just didn't have class because there wasn't enough instructors. So the, even the flight line side, they didn't 
have students rolling through just because they couldn't graduate classes quick enough to to even push the students to the flight line. So would they did they have you did they have you do anything? Um mop floors? Well, buff. N- uh we're pri- I was prior service going. So you in. didn't have to do all that. Yeah, so <laughs> that was like the one saving grace. Like Right. Because I was prior service, they didn't really bother you. They just if you had to go somewhere, they just wanted to make sure that you'd be back at a, at a certain time and stuff. And That's cool. Yeah. So that was the nice part. But it was really when I got to the simulator phase. That's when it really slowed down. Because a sim would happen, and I'd have, like, a week off. And mm-hmm. then a sim would happen, and then I'd have a week off. And I was like, man, at this rate, it's going to be <laughs> it's gonna be like four months. And I have, like, 20 sims. And I was getting, like, one sim done, like, every two weeks. Oh, man, that's a bummer. Yeah. And it was, like, hard, too, because, like, you just learned the 135. You just learned all this knowledge. And it's like, now you want me to apply it, and I have to go digging back stuff that you taught me that should be fresh in my mind. But now, like, it's losing it. And so I I actively had to go in a few days and just get back in the books and, and, and read some things that was slipping my mind. Right, sure. I got taught in February, and now it's July. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, wow. So, um, when you, and, and I know at one point you guys have to do seer or what have you. Is that a, yeah, that's another, that's a good the, point. The yeah. last, is that the last yeah. thing you do before that's you usually, come back? It's usually the last thing you do. And sometimes it's, you know, guard breaks up dates and stuff However, like that. Yeah. They can yeah do so I came back for about a month and then I don't think I flew before seer. Oh, really? But some people do fly before Seer, just if they do have a little bit of time sure. in between. They want to use the, the time wisely. So, yeah, I came back, and then I, I went to Seer. And Seer is two weeks. And then wow. they actually stripped the field portion of it, too. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, so there was a field portion um, where you'd go out and you, you, you learn survival techniques. Like sure. That's, like, the big thing for Seer, right? Yeah. But now it's it's more of just of uh, how to how – to, uh, how to survive in like an imprisoned scenario and stuff. Ugh. Yeah, it's uh not it's it's not that fun, really. I mean, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really I thought it was a fun. lot of uh spl- <laughs> I thought it was a lot of like swimming. Uh they do do a water survival portion and that's actually fun. That seems like fun, yeah. Yeah, so they drop you in a um you know like a, a pool and they got a bunch of different like scenarios, so they drag you through the water with a parachute on and you actually have to grab your clips and like rip them out and stuff. And then they have like a, a downed airplane. So they'll drop like this giant plane in the pool and you have to swim out of it and stuff. And it's actually quite interesting. Like there's, there's some interesting stuff in that, in that aspect. And then we have to learn how to like jump out of a plane too. So it's not like actual parachuting, but it's like the pre parachuting. Yeah. Like how to land and how to get out of your harness and stuff. So, so they don't teach you never get to parachute. You never get to jump. You don't go to a jump school or I anything think like that. They did at one point. They did. So all in all, I think it is about six months. Six months. Yeah. When did you come back? When did you come back to the wing finally? Um. Well, my like I said, mine was eight. So I left in December of twenty one. And I didn't get back until September of 22. Or no, 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 no. December of 2020? Yeah, December of 2020. <laughs> then, tw- yeah, see, this is crazy. Yeah. Then 2021. And then, yeah. Right. September of 21, and now it's 2022. So, yeah. 
Wow. So you go to you you are you still in SIUE? Oh, uh, no, I, I actually graduated from SIUE in 2019. Oh, okay. So, so that didn't interfere with your no. schooling. That's no, great. yeah, yeah. I, 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 I finished my history degree there. Oh, yeah. so you have, a, you have a history degree. That's awesome. Yes, love I do. That. <laughs> I, I, I love history. I was going to get at my history degree instead. Uh, I think I was more interested in the political side of history, so I got a political science degree. Yeah. That enc- that encompasses uh, a lot of history as well. Yeah, it does. And I actually had to take a bunch of political science courses to have a history degree. So right, yeah. it's kind of one of the same in a way. What do they teach you in uh, – what does a history degree – uh, what do they teach you? I mean, obviously they teach you history, but what, there's got to be more to like, is it uh, a lot of, do they teach you how to research history or how to write about history? It's really just how to research and analyze history. Oh, that's, okay. It's more of the, the, the meat and potatoes. So like my history thesis, you had to come up with something, you had to come up with a historical topic that wasn't well known that you could argue about, right? Because history is basically how you interpret it essentially right history is written by the victors right so you have to you have to find a topic that's arguable and then argue your thesis about it that's for a bachelor's yes oh wow yeah my 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 thesis was about 25 pages yeah what did you write about uh so i i i'm a big world war ii buff so i wrote about um the the technology they used in kursk and how the russians were able to use their technology to out like be like technology was the the sole premise of like the battle of kursk really yeah so it's a giant tank uh the biggest tank battle that happened in, i think in history actually and that's kursk is the south it's in the west? ukraine it's in the ukraine yeah is that the is that the what they call the battle of the the what is that it's the largest tank battle the largest tank battle yeah i guess that's mm-hmm. not the one i'm thinking of I know they were talking about. There's one like a, you still walk. You're still walking on bones, and they're still finding bones. It's. A, I think it's a different battle. Oh, you could. I'm guarantee you, you could still find <laughs> oh, bones yeah. in there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did the? I didn't know Russians had technology. I mean, honestly. In, well, in World that's War what II, I said. I, that's what that that was my argument. So the Germans basically they they put in way too much technology into their vehicles, and they were. It's like the the argument of quantity over quality, right? Right. So they went with quantity or quality, excuse me. Right. And the Russians went with quantity sure simple vehicles simple tanks that you could spit out and just chug at the machine essentially wow yeah so that, that I, I used you know different first uh uh person perspectives on on the battle and well you, you you're now putting that to use as uh, i guess you would be i don't know are you the backup the alternate for the wing history yeah I, or I'm you trying. are the wing historian i I'm, guess at this point for right now i'm, I'm mostly just putting up uh, the morale back on the walls and, and getting the sure getting the old squadron history back together at at the 108th. Um, we didn't have anything up on the walls, and I came in and I was like, "Where's yeah? Where's all of our cool pictures?" And they're right. like, "Oh, well, here you go. Here's a job." <laughs> That's nice. What was the 108th? I always forget. Were they a weather? What were they? Oh, so, okay, yeah. The so first, w- yeah, so we were an observation squadron. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, so we started as an observation squadron, and then we we went, after World War II, we went to a, a bombardment squadron. And you guys weren't, but they weren't uh, in, were they a regular Air Force unit, or were they, like, a guard unit then? So. Someplace else. Yeah, we, we were in Chicago. That's where we oh, started. Oh, the 108th was in Chicago. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's okay. where we started. So we were in Chicago first, and then 
uh, I mean, we transitioned down here in 99. Right. So, but we, we had KC-97s before that, and that was in July of 76. 1976 is when we, we got rid of our, our KC-97s and switched over to the 135. Wow. But um, before that, we, were, uh, we flew the B-26 Invader, and that was... Over as the 108th? or As the, the 108th, yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Oh, and I didn't know that. Was in, um, that was over near at the end of the uh, World War II mm-hmm. slash Korean War. And then uh, we flew a bunch of obscure observation planes, like some of the planes that I was looking up. I, I, I don't even know, like the O2H. I had to look up what these planes were. Really? Small observation planes. The O38 and the B18 was added in, yeah. So When did they fall under the 126? I think we, we, became, we merged sometime in Chicago because we used to be, we also used to be just, we used to be the, the guard for several different states, Wisconsin and, and uh, Indiana, I believe, too. So as a new boom, do you, you, do you fly more than other boomers? Yes. Yeah, for sure. They, when, you get, when you get back to the wing, you're putting another training folder, and it's, it's a lot. You're, you're flying about twice a week. So when, when you go on, how much uh, preparation do you guys, uh, as a boomer, go through before you guys even take off? We, we do a, uh, a pre-flight uh, uh, before we take off, but before that we brief, and we brief uh, like weather, we brief what we're, what we're refueling, so air speeds and uh, how many pumps we can use on the 135 and how many, if they're getting gas, like sometimes we go up and we do missions where they don't even get gas. It's just dry, ki- dry contacts, and then um, from there it's, we go and we, uh, we, pre- we pre-flight the jet and then take off and do our mission. What made you uh, choose the Illinois Air National Guard? My dad was uh, the maintenance commander of uh, the MXG over... Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was maintenance commander, and before that, he was actually in ops, which is... He was a navigator on the on the 135 back when they had navigators. And I, uh, I wanted to be a Marine, like, back in the day. I don't know. It just sounds yeah, appealing. It, it, right? looks, it looks cool. It looks cool, right? Right. And then he was just like, why don't you just go talk to the guard? So I, I talked to the guard, and uh, I was like, okay, this this sounds pretty cool. So I was like, all right, I'll you know do maintenance in the, in the guard. I think that'll be cool. And, and you can go to school and get your job paid for, and, right? Or get your school paid for. So that sounded really appealing to me. And uh, yeah, I just went from there. What what made you any reason uh, particular that made you want to choose the one twenty six? I mean, besides, hey, my dad's in the unit. Oh. Uh, <laughs> No, I mean, really, that's really kind of the sole reason, like, it, it was local. It's right there. I wanted to go to SIUE, and getting to and from drill would be super easy. was super easy. It's like, you know, 30-minute drive sure. from SIUE. Right. So. So your dad, you say your dad was in the 126 his whole career, or? Uh, he start yeah. So he started active duty, I believe, and he was at Castle Air Force Base. For three years. Okay. And then he palace chased out of it. They offered him early outs, and they he took an early out. And then he had a friend that was in the 108th, I believe, in Chicago. Okay. And then he took a job as a navigator in the 108th in Chicago and started flying there. And we were up there. I was actually born in Chicago. so We won't hold it against you. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm still a Cardinals fan. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. 
Yeah. You didn't get any of that film. No, 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 no. I was too young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I was uh, born in Chicago. And then from there, when we moved down in 99, um, we came to Edwardsville. And then from there, it's it's pretty much just history then. It's definitely the one of the uh, well-kept secrets of uh, the military. Yeah, I definitely, yeah, I definitely think so. Especially like AGRs and stuff like that. Like those are even like the inner inner circle kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know i always thought of like well so what happens after drill does does everybody go home for a month and it just collects dust and yeah and i didn't realize that yeah AGS. yeah <laughs> yeah right exactly like oh everyone just leaves their equipment around and then and that's it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah agr's kind of and technicians kind of run the show right you know? and yeah. then when drill weekends come it's right hey, it's go time <clears throat> yeah what do you guys do? So I know boomers, you guys don't really fly on uh, drill weekends. What are you guys doing on drill weekends? Oh, it's it's a lot of the medical appointments, things yeah. you got to catch up on, uh, paperwork and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's so we actually have like we have uh, AFTPs. So we have to stay current in the jet, right? Right. So we can come out here and <laughs> we can pull AFTPs, and I think we have about twenty five days a semester. Yeah, or a quarter, 25 days a quarter. Oh, wow. It's, it's a little weird how it works, but you get about 25 days, and you can pull those days to stay current in the jet so that you don't lose your currencies and stay proficient while flying. Right. So when you're, you're fly, you actually fly the plane, right, at some point. I mean, you're controlling the plane. Uh, a part of the plane. I'm controlling a part of the plane, which is the boom, right? Right. Because I, I'm not, I'm up in the seats. I'm up at, like, I'm in an old nav seat. Right, yeah. Yeah, I like to say I took over my, my dad's job. <laughs> because <laughs> but when you're, when you're back there on the ailerons, are you, you can slow and, and speed the plane up. Is that right? Kind of. So or, uh, they're, they're called rudivators. Oh, rudivators, okay. And so, yes, when you lower the boom, it will slow the plane down just because you're putting more drag on the plane, right? Right. So, yeah, in a way, you can't control the plane. And if you throw the boom left or right, you can actually kind of feel the plane move with the boom, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it, it's, it's interesting in that aspect of flying, but it's, it's, a, it's kind of a stretch to say I fly. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know Chief Latimer was like, we're, he said the boomers are the one of the last, are considered the one of the last enlisted aviators. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're definitely up there in terms of, Flying the empennage of a plane, so yeah, that's a big I, I word. What's that empennage? An empennage. It's a. Uh, I thought it was something you eat. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Oh, it's, it's an empanada. No, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> an empennage is just a uh, like a an extended part of the plane. Ah, so I see. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So cool. like the tail empennage. It's one of the fancier words, I think. I'd have to look it up. <laughs> that's what I was just taught in boom school. It's an empennage. It's an empennage. That's yeah. awesome. So you talked about uh, all these uh, TDYs and places you've gone. Any any place in particular that uh, that you liked more than the other? Ooh. Like they're they're they both have their 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 pros. Not so much cons. I don't I don't really not yeah. like a place that yeah. I go, there's not yeah. But I really like places that I thought were really interesting. I lived in Germany for two years, so that was when my dad uh, he got a job out there, but. I thought Japan had the wow factor. So we went to Tokyo one year. That would be cool. And that had the wow factor as in like culture shock, the food. I love Asian food. So like the food was amazing out there. 
And I just thought just the whole layout of Japan was just really interesting. Really? So I, I thought Japan definitely had the – I would go back 100%. Cool. Yeah, had the wow factor for that. I would love to go to – I mean, to be in a place like Tokyo or something just to see what uh, – you know, because Tokyo just seems wild. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. It, it, like the, how packed in everything is. Right. And just like the lifestyle people live, it's all it's all smaller, right? right. It's so weird. <laughs> you know, we're used to America with our big SUVs and being spread out and all the land, but you know, it's an island country, so or uh, yeah, yeah, an island country, so you, you have to, uh, you have space, to yes. yeah, space is limited. That's uh, Staff Sergeant Kyle Kesey, a boomer from the 108th Air Refueling Squadron. I appreciate you coming by and uh, hanging out with me yeah, today. I appreciate you having me. It's been fun. With your look around the Air Force, I'm Airman First Class Sayomi Sabornin. Airmen and Guardians feeling the impact of rising inflation are getting some help. The department is looking closely at compensation and PCS entitlements and providing support for personal finance readiness and food and security aid. For airmen who are moving, installations can request temporary lodging expense extensions and DOD increased the mileage rate for PCS and TDY travel. Airmen and Family Readiness Centers provide financial education and the Air Force Aid Society can help with emergency funds for some specific needs. President Joe Biden recently awarded retired Brigadier General Wilma Vaught the Presidential Medal of Freedom at a White House ceremony. Wilma is one of the most decorated women ever to serve in the United States military. She enlisted in the 1950s because she wanted to be a leader. She did that and more, becoming the first woman in almost every leadership role she held in only 30 years in uniform. Shattering conventions, shaping a new tradition of our military and she couldn't stop after retirement. She led to the creation of the Women's Military Service for American Memorial at the gateway of Arlington National Cemetery, the first museum is kind so that we may know and be inspired by not just her story, but by the stories of millions of women who served this nation in uniform. The president recognized Vought for breaking down gender barriers, helping to shape new opportunities for service members. The next generation of fighter and bomber pilots will learn to fly in the advanced T-7A Red Hawk, a fifth-generation trainer jet. The Air Force Installation and Mission Support Center has approval to move forward with a major construction project, supporting the new aircraft and training mission at Joint Base Randolph, San Antonio, Texas. The project will create the infrastructure needed for the T-7A Red Hawk. The go-ahead comes after completion of an environmental impact statement for the work. And that's your look around the Air Force. Sign up is going on now for a runner's clinic that begins August 22nd and runs through October 13th. It will help you build speed, endurance, and help you improve your running time. They say the average improvement is a minute 30. To register, you can email Heather Brondmeyer. Her email is heather.l.brondmeyer.civ at mail.mil. The running clinic is open to all active duty, air guard, and reservists. If you're having thoughts of suicide or know someone in crisis, you can now dial 988 on your phone. That's 988. When the phone rings, uh, press 1 There is a chat lifeline. You can uh, chat through their website. It's suicidepreventionlifeline.org. That's suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Another way to get help is is through the crisis line. Text H-E-L-P to 838-255. The crisis text line, again, you got to text 
help to 838-255. But uh, again, that phone number is 988. That's it. 988. When it answers, press 1. That'll take you to uh, for, that's for military. You can find all of our links on Linktree. That's linktr.ee forward slash 126. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you can download this on your favorite podcast app. If you want to pass along some information, you can email roll call at 126.arw.pa.mm.org at us.af.mil. Thanks for listening to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast focused on people, mission, and community. I'm Master Sergeant Brian Ellison.